Faith to Form, the podcast for the F2F Music Foundation. The F2F Music Foundation's mission seeks to enable all youth to pursue continuous and rigorous training in music to their highest level of interest and ability while striving for the very, very best academic achievements possible. F2F is designed to provide disadvantaged students in high schools, middle schools, elementary schools with the opportunity to excel in their academic endeavors by utilizing the benefits of music to enrich their lives and the lives of others in the community. And that's exactly what Faith to Form F2F Music Foundation has been doing. And we've been had a lot of fun doing some of the things as we build this organization to be a bigger and better organization. And today will be a lot of fun for you as well. Bell Lewis is an award-winning Hammond organist, keyboardist. Bell is an accomplished singer, producer, arranger whose music can be found on well-known TV shows, The Sopranos, Mad About You, Friends, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and so much more. And Bell has a new release out. As a matter of fact, as we are yeah. recording this today, yeah. the release is out, boys and girls, and we'll yes, talk more about that too as well. It's a good thing. Mike Opalo, one of the most versatile cosmopolitan saxophonist in pop, soul, and contemporary jazz for nearly 35 years. Michael, I can tell you had somebody write this for you because it's good. Yeah. Michael has added his distinctive, <laughs> you've added your distinctive saxpertise. Hey, that's that's a word. not a word, but it is now, <laughs> to a virtual who's who of artists, including Giroux, God, I loved Al Giroux, yes. James Ingram, Rick Braun, Peter White, Alita Adams, Kenny Loggins, Petty Austin, Jeffrey Osborne, Jeff Lorber, David Benoit, Carl Anderson, Bobby Caldwell, Johnny Mathis. Do I need to go on? All the old I guys. don't know. <laughs> Should I go on? I don't no. know. Uh, but, you know, Michael Michael is, is, is not from the continent of the United States. You're more of the the dude way out in the Pacific there, because you were the born and raised in yeah. Hawaii. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I see nothing wrong with that. It's a good thing. Oh, it was beautiful. But Michael, yeah. welcome, welcome to the podcast today. I'm so Thank glad you. that, you, yes. that you've been able to take the time to to get together with us and talk to us about about F2F. And you can brag on Vel if, if you want, and then please, Vel please. can brag on you. <laughs> <laughs> But, you get, anything but, for Bell. <laughs> anything for Bell. Yeah, okay. 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 We're taking donations now for F2F. All so right. uh, we'll just no sign joke. The we are. <laughs> <laughs> so, Michael, how you doing? How things good, going? Good. I'm glad to talk to you. We'll talk uh, about so many different uh, things. And Vel, uh, let's get, let's get to the release today because this ought to be a top priority in today's podcast. Oh, yes, and. Uh, so happy about it because i uh, got my good friend Larry Bragg singing lead and background vocal on it. And he does, he's done such a fine job with it. Um, it is out on all platforms. Um, I made sure that I bought my first copy before everybody else did. I was up at 1201 midnight. <laughs> Make <laughs> sure it bought, works. <laughs> that's right. I bought the uh, full EP version, which is the uh, radio edit version plus the extended version. And uh, it's just a great piece, uh, I think, uh, primarily because of the uh, players involved. Uh, all of my band, Morgan Stevenson, uh, Eric Fountain. Uh, Eric, by the way, uh, is celebrating his wedding anniversary today. And I hey. had no idea until uh, I just happened to see his wife post uh, about her birthday, which is also hey. today. Uh -huh. So it's been, a fun, yeah, it's been a fun day for uh, the guys. 
and uh, also Stephen Richard, uh, local saxophonist here, uh, just did, uh, I think he did that uh, show with Bobby Lyle last week, and uh, he's mm -hmm. doing well around town, and uh, this did a really fine job with the sax solo and the extended version, so you got to pick that up, guys, everybody listening, please pick it up today, it's available, Apple Music, Spotify, and Amazon, and wherever else. Beautiful. So, there you go. Uh Support yeah. the arts. Listen to the listen to the the the, the root uh, the counter checkup sales right here, Val. I think it's That's a right. Please, idea. Please, there you please. go. You know, hey Michael, your roots are are in Hawaii. Uh, Absolutely, and yeah. that's pretty cool. I mean, uh, talk about. I, I want to call this the island island effect on your music <laughs> and your style. Uh -huh. And you're not playing a uke, uh, no. obviously. So yeah. uh, it's a little bit different. But did Hawaii have? Uh, a factor in what you do and how it sounds and such? I, I think it does. You know, growing up in Hawaii, I mean, it was a very, very simple, open, free and nature and, you know, the beach green and, and everybody was happy and family. So, you know, I, the, when I play my, my music, I mean, it just kind of comes out, you know, uh, in my shows. I mean, that's that's the way I emote through the saxophone. And, um, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's part of my life. So... You know, I think it shows in the music that I write and, and how I perform on stage. Wow. Yeah. So there, there is a bit of an effect there from Hawaii. I think that's pretty cool. How do you two guys uh, know each other? Let's talk about that relationship. And I'll let you both tell, uh, tell about that. Val, why don't you start it off? Yeah, we go way back uh, primarily because of mutual friends. Um, I'll take it back as far as uh, Lenny Castro, first of all. Who's yeah, Lenny and Paulette. Yeah, Lenny exactly. and Paulette. Yeah, yeah uh -huh. Lenny's uh, uh, first wife, uh, God bless her soul, she's yeah. at rest. Uh, Paulette Brown Castro, a great singer, and uh, she recorded on a couple projects with me. Yeah. And with uh, my uh, deceased partner as well, Tom Borton. Uh, we did oh, some projects Tom, yeah. together. Yeah. So, uh, Let's see, Paulette and I knew each other from the, probably the 70s when I was uh, doing some shows out in Buffalo, New York area, which is where they lived at. And we met at one of my concerts out there with the Futures and uh, her and her sister. And we've kept in touch all these years and then uh, happened to find out that Paulette had married Lenny. And then... Uh, from that point, while they were doing sessions and so forth and touring, Paulette was with uh, Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons and Bob Skaggs, and then she eventually started touring with Toto, and Lenny and, and Paulette hooked up. Uh, they eventually moved around the corner from it. So we used to hang out over at the house and whatnot with other artists and so forth. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think when we were doing the album with Tom, we had another friend, Steve Ali, come in and he did his album and I wrote the title cut for his album, The Magic Hour. Right. And we sent it through Michael and who had his label, Noteworthy Records at the time. And that started our communication, I believe, from the record label and just uh, you know doing some work together there. Plus the fact that we both knew Lenny and you know it was like yeah. a family, you know, with uh, Michael's wife yeah, Terry, and then the back in the days in Van Nuys, California. Oh yeah, the Van Nuys crew. <laughs> <laughs> so we were always just hanging out, you know. So yeah, it was yeah. a really nice thing, and uh, 
you know, once Paul had passed away, uh, Michael and I both were you know, pallbearers during the funeral and uh, mm. have always just kept our relationship tight. And uh, here we are today. I feel like we ought to be sitting around a picnic table. This feels like a family reunion. Pass <laughs> me right. some more fried chicken, please. Fortunately, at our age, I mean, I hate to sound old, but, you know, I'm 65. But, you know, it's been uh, 30, 40 plus years since I moved here to California and was able to meet great people and players such as Vell and, and, and Lenny, of course, and, and um, establish those relationships and it's it's so great that that even now you know as we get older you know we're still here and and we can still you know communicate and do things together and that, that's I right yeah. in, in life i mean that's what right now the space i'm at is um you know i just want to be working with and dealing with friends you know mm -hmm. i mean you, you learn to cut all the drama out yeah, right. <laughs> the older you get <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> the patience runs very thin. Yeah, yeah. You, look, you look at your phone book. Yeah, I'm not calling. No, nope, don't call them. Uh -uh, no, <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. As in, as in life, we get to choose who we want to hang out with. So exactly. That's, isn't it, isn't it, isn't it funny that it takes us that long to figure that out? Though it's uh, like, well, listen, I'm. Yeah. yeah. I well, I'm over fifty. I've I've, I've got to stop this. I've got to stop this behavior. Well, put it this oh. way: the, when you're younger, right? You you, yeah. you sometimes you don't have a choice. Because right. you have to, you have to do things because you're trying to get ahead. You're trying to make your work. You're trying to, so you got to work with everybody, right? right. And it's okay. Right. It's okay. But but yeah. as you get older, you get a little more established. You get more comfortable. You know, you have freedom, right? It mm -hmm. gives you freedom mm -hmm. to, to pick and choose. I say, well, I don't want to do this. I, I'll do that, but I don't want to, no, because I don't want to work with that person because you know it's just too much drama. So mm -hmm. so I think that's the difference. Is that when you're younger, you kind of. You have to you know trying to get do things and, and get ahead and, and so you you you, you kind of deal with a lot of people you right because yeah. you have to right and, so and, we can cement the fact that there is no <laughs> drama between uh, vel and michael uh, <laughs> no and <that's, laughs> i don't th i don't see any drama here <laughs> nah, nah, nah. yeah hey one of the one of the things that i saw about you is the blue jay jazz foundation festival that you were involved with or were engaged yeah with we just well, did michael. a, a sold out what's that all about there. Well, uh, Blue Jay Jazz Festival, is, it's a foundation and, and it helps uh, mentor kids and music through youth and all that. They're kind of like what you guys are doing. So right. um, I, I probably played one of the first ones maybe 10 years ago with my, my as, as an artist um, and, and uh, they've kept it going. So I was invited uh, this past, uh, last weekend to perform with uh, one of my favorite keyboardists, in, in, uh, Patrice Russian. You know, oh, nice. who, um, you know, I just, just like, it's funny, I'm, I'm, I'm playing with her and I'm thinking back when I was a kid in Hawaii, cutting my teeth, playing music. And, and uh, you know, I had a jazz group uh, in 1979, uh, and uh, we would play some of her stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and so, so, so it's just funny when you fast forward and then here I am, you know, I've known her for a while now and we've worked together on different circumstances, but, but it's still, I still get a kick. That, that I'm, I'm playing with, you know, somebody like that who, you know, when I was little, they, I was just, you know, t looking at her name on the record, right? And this is the play. Right. And uh, she still sounds awesome. We had a great band, uh, Freddie Washington uh, on, on bass, uh, Rayford Griffin on drums, and, and Paul Jackson Jr. playing guitar. Wow, wow. So, so you know, um, I mean, those are the things I look back now, even as I'm older, and, and they're all friends of mine now, and, and I've worked with these guys over the years. But I still get a kick. I still think of myself as that little kid that moved from Hawaii, 
and, and <laughs> trying to find my way in the music business and, and wanting to play. That was my goal to come here and play with people like that. And I did it. And, and I'm mm-hmm. still doing it. So I still get a kick out of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like you're on a great track. Hey, yeah. did somebody hand you a musical instrument as a kid? Or how did how did you engage with what you're doing then? It was actually a mistake, a, a flute. Um, you know, my, my dad, of course, Bill knows my dad's a great pianist, musician. Right. He made a living, raised all of us you know, traveling and with his own group and stuff. And um, so I grew up in, with music in the house, you know, and had a piano in the house. And, and I never really got into it i would noodle on the piano but i was i was uh so-called bookworm right i mean i was more into academics and and stuff and uh reading books and, and all those things while my siblings all played instruments sang and, and stuff but when i got to high school um you know I, I i actually took band class because i was trying to escape p.e <laughs> <laughs> true story so the, my first semester as a freshman in high school, you know, you, you had to take electives, right? So mm-hmm. I, I went to private school, by the way, so you could choose your, your classes, like like college. And uh, so so I took PE the first semester of a freshman, and, and I got tired of running. <laughs> so I said, man, this, this, is not, this is not good. So people, people, my friends were saying, hey, man, you should sign up for band. It's an easy A, right? The, 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 teacher, every, he, the teacher gives everybody an A, right? <laughs> so I said, cool. So I signed up for band class, my second semester as a freshman. And uh, there I was in the band, and, and I didn't ever play the instrument. So he looks at me, and, and, he, and I said, I want to play the trumpet, you know, because my uncle played the trumpet, and, and I saw that movie, Man with a Horn, Kirk Douglas. So I had a thing for the trumpet. So he looks at me, he looks at my lips, he said, no, you, no, you don't have trumpet lips, right? So, so then he goes... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you play the oboe. <laughs> I said, the oboe? The oboe? What is the oboe? <laughs> right? So I ended up playing oboe in the concert band, right? And, and I had to make my own reeds and, you know, do the whole thing oh, and, wow. the music and tie, you know, the reed and then shave it. So I learned all that. And, man, the oboe, so I played it because it was band. I got to get my A, right? <laughs> and stuff. And, right. And, but I hated it. And finally, I, I couldn't stand it any longer. I said, I can't, I don't want to play the oboe no more. I want to play something else. So he said, well, you know, we're kind of short on instruments in the school. And uh, he said, if you, can, if you can borrow an instrument from somebody you know, yeah, I'll let you play it. So I thought, oh, my uncle, my uncle has a saxophone. So I called my uncle. I said, hey, can I, can I borrow your saxophone, like, you know, for my band class? And, uh, you know, of course, my uncle said, sure, yeah, you know, I'll let you play it. And, and stuff, and it was a Selmer Mark VI. I never forget, right? And today, wow. is, that's the, the best saxophone you can get, right? Selmer Mark VI. So he let me use it, and uh, so I learned to play the saxophone. And and, and wow. uh, I picked it up, and I loved it, right? And then I, I, I kept playing, and and um, you know, I had a great teacher. He was a jazz jazz guy, right? So this is how I learned to play jazz. He would sit at the piano, and 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 uh, play like C Jam Blues, right? And look at me and say, play. And I'm like, play what? <laughs> you know, I said, I, I didn't even know the notes on the horn yet, right? And I'm just fun. He said, just play. All right. So I started playing. And, and you know, I used my ear. And, and, right. and I found out I had an ear, right? Because I grew up, my dad's musician. So I played. And, and if the note sounded right, I played it again, right? Mm-hmm. And stuff. And, and that's how I learned to play jazz. And then, wow. you know, eventually, you know, he kind of took me under his, his wing. I mean, I guess he recognized I had some kind of talent. 
and um, you know, then uh, my parents bought me a saxophone, and and the rest is history. Um, that that summer, it was kind of the tail end. I started playing the saxophone of my freshman year, and um, I loved it so much. That summer, I went home and played sax every single day, and drove my siblings nuts. Right, because <laughs> all here was squeak, 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 squeak. And in Hawaii, they got those houses that with like single walls, right? They're, you can hear yeah. everything through the whole house, and I, I, I drove yeah. them crazy. But I, I loved it. And I practiced in the bathroom every single day, and uh, wow. so that whole summer, you know, I didn't even go play with my friends anymore and stuff. And then I went back my sophomore year, and I made first chair in the bands. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. So, you know, oh. right away I went back and I was first year in this orchestra, the jazz band, everything. And then, uh, you know, within a year I was playing in the all-state stage band. So it went pretty quick. I mean, it, I, it's, it was in me because of my dad. And once I, I got into it, it went fast. And, and by the time I was 16, my sophomore year, I was actually doing gigs already with a, with a dance band. So, you know, within a year. So, I mean, so and then the rest is history. Yeah, well, it seems to me the connectivity with the music really helped to keep you engaged uh, in school, and I think that's one of the things about F two F that we always talk about. You know, if you can if you can connect uh, with a few notes here, uh, you really maintain that connection, and you allow people to discover something about themselves that they didn't know. Just like right. you, you learned. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know I had had proficiency for music. And, and yeah. as soon as I picked it up, I was, it was like, man, this is great. And, and uh, you know. No, it, it, obviously you did the right thing. And no doubt about that. I hope I did. I love this, what you said. <laughs> At least I'm thinking. And uh, so I can't ask you the question when you grow up, what job do you want? Because you've already got that. It's a good thing. Okay. Yeah. But one thing, that, one thing that you said that I thought was really uh, poignant and funny at the same time is wearing a mask is about safety and not about politics. You said that. Uh, <laughs> and I want to say thank you for the fresh commentary there. It's, <laughs> it's a good thing. That's right. <laughs> you know, between so masks and shots and everything like that, our world is a little bit upside down at this point in time. Absolutely. You know, but we but, can just be positive and try to push the positive, right? Push the positive. Yeah. I yeah. like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Hey, uh, uh, Michael, you know, if you could pinpoint a place, I know you spent a lot of your time in Hawaii, but uh, in the United States, where do you think the best jazz comes from? Is there a place in you have in mind? Because every town almost has, you know, a brand of, oh, no, it's got to come from New Orleans. It's got to come from uh, Memphis or something like that. Where's the best jazz come from these days? Well, I mean, depending on what kind of jazz, <laughs> there's so many True. different idioms of jazz these days, right? You got the bebop straight ahead, you have fusion jazz, you got, you know, the smooth yeah. jazz and, and funk jazz. I mean, so, I mean, I would, I would say offhand, not one place in particular, but I would say between Chicago, New York, L.A. and New Orleans, you know, all the things that all the things that come out from there. Um, you know, some some great music, and and, and San Francisco too. You know, yeah, yeah, it's so, all over the place, isn't it? Yeah, it really yeah, is. And yeah. That's a great way to put it. How would you define uh, what Vel does and his meaning toward jazz? What would you what would you classify uh, Vel? I mean, more more like R and B jazz. You know, more mm -hmm. R and B jazz is is more uh, melodic and rhythmic, right? Right, you know, right. Instead of straight ahead jazz or fusion jazz, like Jeff Lorber or something, or 
you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's why we came up with that term uh, when I released that uh, Shady Grady album I did with the groove jazz. Yeah, groove it, jazz. It just uh-huh. kind of falls in with you know R and B and a little taste of funk here and there. And uh, there's actually there's actually a chart now. I think uh, groove jazz. Uh, yeah, the groove jazz, groove, groove jazz, jazz charts. Uh huh. I know. Well, I groove mean, jazz is a really cool definition of of that uh, genre, isn't it? It, it says a lot about. Uh, well, but again, again, it's all relative to the time, right? And, right. And, and because because in our time, you know, we grew up with like a lot of R and B and and funk and all that, right? So so our generation, we would we incorporate that into our music, you know. And jazz is improvising over that, and, and the melodies and things we compose that's incorporated because that's the music we grew up on. But exactly. but but if you put it relative to, you know, when you go back to the '40s when swing was the groove right mm-hmm. i mean right. so that was the groove of the day so you could technically yeah. say that was groove jazz because they were swinging you know yeah. and then when you went to the 60s where where like it was was a rock heavy rock influences and all that that's where fusion came from you know mm-hmm. yeah. and, and yeah. To, that was the groove of the jazz back then right so it's all relative to to what it is now and um you know it's all, it, always changing but i think you know to me, what the, the the common denominator is is jazz is that that is is the fact that that people improvise, you know, mm-hmm. it's free and you, your creativity you take it to another level after stating the melody, then you start improvising and there's there's a sense of freedom with that as opposed to mm-hmm. things that are are, are are you know formed, you know, like like some of the rock and pop artists I used to work with, everything every show was the same thing, every lick I mean they want the same thing and. And all that, yeah. right? It's commercial pop, yeah. but but jazz is never that, you know. Yeah. yeah so that that's a, that's a good thing as well. You know, yeah. back in '86, you were recording uh, with Miles Davis. You actually did a track on a Miles Davis, uh, an unreleased album. And apparently, yeah. uh-huh. um, uh, it was released back in 2020 on the 6th of September, number one on Billboard jazz charts in its first week. Talk. A, so well, let's go back to '86. What was that like? Um, playing with Miles Davis on a on a track uh, record there. Well, yeah. So if I go, rewind and how I got there, it's you know, um, Vince Wilborn, who's who's his nephew, who's currently is is holding the torch for Miles right now. Um, uh, yeah, we used to jam at 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 the house I I lived in, uh, and we had a bunch of musicians. So so Vince, of course, was a friend with another great drummer, Michael White. So he came over and heard me play. And he said, man, man, give me a tape. You know, I'm, I'm going to give it to my uncle, right? And Miles. And I said, yeah, oh, yeah, right. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I had a, like, a demo I did on the cassette tape, right, of me playing some jazz and stuff. So I gave it to him. And uh, he passed it on. So one day I got a call. I was out touring with Al Giro, getting ready to go on the road. And, uh, you know, I came home on my old cassette answering machine, you know, one of those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so then I, I, I played the message, and it was this message. My, this is Miles Davis calling, call me, right? And he left a message. And so I thought, who the hell is playing it? This is a joke, man, right? <laughs> so then I, I, I called all my friends and, and I said, what are you, what are you crazy? You, you do playing this joke on me? And he said, none of us did. No, we didn't call. So I, I took the number down, I called it, right? And, and, and this lady answered the phone. I said, hey, I, I'm calling for Miles Davis. And, and so she goes, hold on. And she, Miles comes on the phone, right? And go, Mike. <laughs> 
hey, this is Miles, right? And and I was like, whoa, I'm like just blown away. I'm talking to Miles Davis, right? He goes, man, I heard your tape. I like the way you play. I said, man, I want you to come and play with me. You know, I'm getting ready to go on tour. And this is when he was in the hospital, right? And he got he got better and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then uh, so I said, man, Miles, I'm getting ready to go on the, the road with Jerome, man, and, and stuff, you know, so I'm kind of committed. He goes, oh, man, you got a gig. Go, man, that's cool, but but you know maybe we can do some recording together late, later on, right? And I said, hey, Miles, whatever. I'm honored that you called. You know, it would be a great honor to play with you. And and then that was it. You know, I hung up the phone and went on the road without. So the next year, you know, I get a call again, and and it was it was uh, Miles. And, I mean, I'm making he was making a record and and all that. So he wanted me to come play. So he kept his word, right? So, yeah. so then uh, they sent me like four songs to, to check out. And then uh, I, I, I learned them and went to the studio. And then, uh, you know, there was Miles, man. And, you know, I got to hung up, hang out with him. And, and uh, I, there's, there's, I, I guess I'll tell the story. So then we're recording. And all my old-time jazz guys warned me. They said, Paulo, he's going to mess with you, man. He's going to mess with you. <laughs> That's Miles. He gonna mess with. Don't let, don't let him mess with you when you go to see him. He said, I, I said, don't worry, I got it, I got it, right? So, so, so then I had that in mind. So when I got to the session, I said, okay, he, I mean, I'm gonna be cool. He's not gonna mess with me, right? So first thing he does, he play, pulls up a track, and it's not any of the four songs they sent. So I'm like, oh man, <laughs> right? He pulls up the track, go. And, and it's him playing a solo, right? So. He's, we're listening. I'm here. I'm listening to the track. He's listening to the track. He tells the engineer, stop, stop right there. And it's the middle of him soloing, right? He goes, roll it back. We listen. He goes, Mike, I want you to, I want you to double when I play, right? And, and this was back in a, a, a tape, right? Two inch, two inch tape. So I said, okay, fine. So I listen to it. The engineer plays it back, rolls it back and forth. So I learn it. I learn his solo, right? It's about 16 bars. So, so then I go, I, I record it, and, and I nail it. It's nice, uh, doubling miles. So then he goes, all right, man, I want you to harmonize what you just did. So there's no chart, there's nothing, right? And he goes in the studio, he gets on the piano, he says, I want this kind of vibe. And he starts playing all these, these out chords, right? Typical miles chords. So I'm listening, I go, okay, okay, I got it. So then I go back in, I tell the engineer, play it back, and, and I figure out the harmony, right? On tenor. So I'm playing tenor. So then I record it, and it's kind of, you know, seconds and thirds, minor thirds and stuff. So I, I, I harmonize it, and I nail it. So I'm, going, I'm starting to feel good by, by then, right? I'm like, okay, I got this stuff, right? <laughs> so, so then I, I, I put it down, then I go back in. He goes, all right, man, my, 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 I, I. I want you to double it on the flute. <laughs> so then I'm thinking to myself, all right, there's no chart. I got to remember what I just played. And I got to transpose it a step down, right? Because the flute is, is a step down from the tenor. So now I'm going, yeah. now, now I'm starting to feel pressure. <laughs> so, so I say, okay, okay. I, in the back of my mind, they said, don't let Miles mess with you. Don't let it mess with you, right? So I said, okay, I'm going to stay calm, right? So I go in, I record it, I nail it, you know, and, and I get it down. And I'm thinking, okay, all right, I'm good. Then he goes, now, I want you to play a flute solo. 
I said, I think flute. I'm not a flute player. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm a sax player, right? She goes, yeah, play me a flute solo. So I went in. So I said, okay, I'm not going to argue. So I overdubbed a flute solo. And I, you know, I did it. I, I played decent flute back then. So, so I, I recorded the track. And then, and they go, okay, that was great, right? So then he goes, okay, pull up another track. So he pulls up this funk in, in like F, right? And he goes in, same thing. He, there's a section. He said, I want you to play a solo here. And he does the same thing. I want you this kind of vibe. So he starts playing all these chords and kind of, you know, and I said, okay, I got it. So engineer rolls the tape. I, I play the solo. And, it, you know, I tried to give him that out kind of vibe, you know, you know, and intervals and, and all that. So I play first take. And then I stop, and I can hear in the in the control room all the guy Randy Hall and Zane and and the engineer. They go, man, that was great. They're all like, yeah, clapping and go, man, that was a first take, right? And I'm like, okay, I nailed it, right? And they're all cheering, and all of a sudden, Miles, I can see him from the from the into the window, right? I see him hit the talkback button, so he can hear me, right? Make him play it again. And they go, and I can hear them arguing. He's holding the talk back button open so I can hear the conversation, right? He wants yeah. me to hear this. Miles, no, man, that was a great take. No, man, it's good. Man, that you don't want Make him play it again, right? And they kept arguing. He said, don't make him play it again. And, and so, so they go, hey, Mike, Mike, Miles wants another take. Can you do another take? I said, okay, no problem. So I do another take. And they go, man, Mike, can you do another one? I said, okay, I'll do another one. Yeah, we need one more. I'll do another one. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was good, but yeah, just do another one. So, man, like five, six takes later, I'm like, I'm playing, and, and what can you do wrong in the key of F, right? <laughs> Not much. <laughs> then I'm thinking to myself, oh, man, I'm blowing this session, man. Miles doesn't, isn't digging what I'm playing, right? Yeah. So then all of a sudden, everything goes silent. I'm in the studio with my headphones on, with my sax on, and nobody says anything. Nothing. Dead silent. So about five minutes go by, and I'm standing there going, okay, what you got? Somebody tell me what to do. Then I can see through the window, right? <laughs> they all start leaving. <laughs> and nobody's saying nothing to me, right? So I'm like, okay, this is messed up. I said, okay, I got to go. I got to find out what's going on. So I take my horn off and go. I walk in. By then, Almost everybody's gone, right? The engineers left, and I'm like, "Hey, anybody can anybody tell me what's going on?" Right? Not, not there was nothing like, "Okay, you're done. That was great." You know, you know, they just left. <laughs> so, okay. so, so then the engineer goes, "Oh, you're fine. You're done. Okay, you can go." So I packed up my my stuff, my horns, and I got in my car, and I'm driving home, and I'm like, "What just happened?" <laughs> what happened? I'm shell shocked. I go like, man, I blew the session with Miles. <laughs> <laughs> so then, so then I, I'm thinking, okay, I'm thinking constellation. Okay, I, he just paid me triple scale. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, right. Yeah. So, right. so that was that. That was the session. And 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 then then I thought I said, okay, he messed with me. He messed with me, man. <laughs> right mm -hmm. yes, on purpose. Did. So I'm thinking, and then, then then come to find out that, that the album got shelved. So I'm like, okay, well, I did a session with Miles. Nobody's ever going to hear it, right? And right. years went by. Oh, oh, and then the follow-up. This is the follow-up, and you get to hear this. So a year later after that, 
we're playing at Universal Amphitheater, right? It's Al Jarreau and Miles Davis. So Miles Davis is playing with us, co-build. So I'm in the hallway, you know, talking with my friend Charlie Johnson, Icarus Johnson, guitar player. And here comes Miles, right? Walking up the stairs with his horn, getting ready to go do his set before we, we go on. So I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm like eating a piece of carrot and stuff and talking to Charlie. And I see Miles at the corner of my eye and I say, hey, what's up, Miles? And I happen to drop my carrot on the ground, right? So as I'm picking up the carrot on the ground, Miles is walking by me. He goes, see what I do to you? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a year later man he, he did this, he <laughs> so i want to know what take they used do you, did you know what take they used i think they, they used the first take there's uh, of course on, the, on the record on the record there's there's a that one in in the key of f it's actually uh i forgot what song it is but at the end the rhythm section stops and then the tenor comes in a cappella and then playing by itself and, and I think that was the first take I did, you know. Of course. And then the other one, it was that uh, um, I did that. If you hear, there's a solely with, with Miles and the sax and the flute. And then there's a little flute solo on that, you know. So so uh, that's the other track. I mean, it's it's kind of, but but it, they kept it and it's on there. And then, um, you know, when, when they reproduced the record, they also asked me to add uh, some horn parts on, on a couple other tracks, so I arranged some mm. horns in and I added on there. Wow! But um, you know, hey, so you they know. never they never asked you at one point in time to add more cowbell or anything like that. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, but hey, you know that was that was great great experience. And, uh, you know that was a great story. Wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, oh boy! But but what an experience! And who could do this? Who could put one down, pick up another, play this, no notes, no nothing, just do it, just do it, and do it again, and do it again, and again, but yeah. do it differently again, and again, and again. Yep. Man, that is a great story. I'm gonna, <laughs> so, I just want to hear that uh, album. I would love to get. I would love to hear the original tape as well to see what was on that two-inch tape. Uh, I would assume it's 24 track or probably 40. Yeah, it was 24 track. You know, and it was um, funny because. For me, um, when they they sent me the, the the track, like I guess a year and a half ago, whatever, um, you know, it was '86. So what yeah. is that? Thirty years? I don't know. <laughs> so a while. Oh uh, yeah. So I, I heard I heard my this myself playing, and I go, "Is that me?" <laughs> I mean, it was so long yeah. ago. I didn't even re remember what I played. <laughs> so, yeah. I would assume the studio probably still has that uh, master. Uh, somewhere you yeah know, well it was the in the vault and that's that's what they used right and um, yeah. it was funny and it was at uh it was at ray parker's studio back in the day oh really yeah. and and it's funny after the fact you know i, I got pretty to be good friends with ray parker and uh you know so and uh, he told me his side of the story about when miles came and used his studio right i said man i was there <laughs> mm -hmm. right? that's yeah funny yeah that's hey, funny i got a i got a question yeah kind of you know, I'm sorry, Bill. We're out of time. I'm just joking. <laughs> well, I'm going to ask it anyway, and if we, if we get it on tape. Great. <laughs> Do it Michael again. Michael has been producing concerts for years now, and I wanted the listeners, primarily the kids, to understand that you know we're all musicians. That's what we do. But there's also other alternatives in the music business where if you don't make it 
as an artist, you can do other things. And yeah. uh, that's why I asked Michael to be on because the, he's doing something that is unique. You don't find many artists that are doing that where they've actually started in, in terms of promoting and producing concerts. That way it becomes uh, another income stream entirely and can be just a career. I'm sure, uh, Michael, I want you to just you know, say a little bit about that. Uh, well, so yeah, thinking... you know, you know, Bill, um, in fact, you know, I released a Steve Ali record. I started a record label. You know, I was actually signed with MCA Records. I did a couple couple uh, releases with them and I was on the labels and uh, I learned the business, you know, as an artist. You know, a lot of, lot of young musicians, they get excited. I got a record deal and stuff. But they don't understand that there's a business side of it that you need to understand too. Um, and so I, I learned that early on, and uh, you know, so um, after that, I thought, well, you know, why not just do it myself and start a record label? So I did. I started Noteworthy Records, and and I learned a lot about the record business and promotion and marketing and all that. So so that's these days that's it. that's an important aspect of promoting yourself and your music. You know, whether it's now through social media. You know, and, and all those different idioms that that right. music music once you record it, people need to hear it, and right. the way people hear it is you have to promote it, you have to get it out there and market it, and, and whatever channels. So so that's part of the business that that's that's important. If you're you're a student, you're listening that that you know that's something that you need to get into, um, you know, because it's an important part of being heard as a, as an artist. You know, on the other aspect, you know. Um, I just fell into promoting concerts and shows. You know, I had a lot of great artists and friends of mine that I've worked with through the years. And uh, so I started promoting them and promoting their music to live concert events, you know. And I also found it as a way to, to stay connected with other people because I wasn't touring as much anymore, doing all those kind of things. So I would be able to bring the artists to me and then right. get to perform with them also, but also, you know, uh, promote their music, you know, through right. concerts and stuff. So I, I still do that today. Um, but, but that's another aspect that, that, you know, I, I tell, uh, you know, I wish like a lot of musicians and artists that, that, you know, I deal with both sides because I was, I'm also, I still a musician. I'm an artist and I understand the mentality and what their needs are. But as a promoter, I also understand the business side and what it makes need, uh, takes to sell tickets, you know, and, and make, make the concert work because you have expenses and you have to take all those yeah. things and it's a calculated risk, right? That's right. So, so you know, when I, I do concerts, a lot of people, uh, they, they comment on how well we take care of them because that's my number one priority is being an artist and musician myself. You know, I, I, I hey, take care of the musician. And whenever I get into a situation with a business relationship with a new venue or new resort or hotel, the first thing I stress in my meeting is that we got to have this for the artists, you know, and stuff. And because and, a lot of times it's, that's overlooked, right? But at the same time, you know, I, I understand the artists and, and their willingness to work with me, right? When I, when I book them for certain things, it's because I'm straightforward and I, can, and, and I understand what they need. But they also understand me that, that I'm, I'm looking after their best interests. So it's a great, it's great synergy, you know, and I've been doing this now for years and I've, I've got a, a few, uh, you know, jazz concert series that I've been doing, you know, steadily, um, you know, and, and it's coming back after COVID, you know, so uh, I got a couple of shows coming up at South Coast Winery Resort. I got David Benoit, Mark Antoine and then Hiroshima, 
coming up. And then I'm doing uh, about another six, five, six shows at the Western Resort in Palm Springs. And I'm bringing back my Tim McElwain Music Festival uh, in, in May of 2022. I've been doing that event for over 15 years. And then, of course, also concerts in Hawaii that I produce and promote. <clears throat> and, um, you know, unfortunately, I had to cancel the show there because of the, this recent spike in COVID. But but I, I'm going to bring that back. And, and uh, I'm also, you know, um, planning the seed to do another big jazz festival there, uh, hopefully wow. next year. So, um, but but it's, it's nice because I still get to perform. Like the reason I'm playing with Patrice and, and different, I'm going to play with David Benoit, say, hey, can you play sax with me? And so, so I get I kind of the best of the both worlds, you know? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I'm, I'm really glad to see that, that you're doing that because that, yeah. that, yeah. that's the way to do it, I think. Mike, understand Mike, the business so you can do things with it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Be in the business so you can figure out how to how to be a, be a, a viable part of uh, promoting the business as well. So yeah. you've been there, done that, got the T-shirt and everything like that. I'm sure. Yep. Um, I, 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 you're you're a glass half full kind of a guy. You've got that upbeat kind of a, a personality. You know. The, you know. The sun's going to come up tomorrow, and things are going to get better. We Absolutely. know that. We know that's going to happen. <laughs> I, I just you know, posted, one thing you yeah. said. One thing you said, Michael, is yeah. music is always going to evolve. It's up to the artist to respond gracefully to the changes. We don't know what music will sound like years from now, but no matter what, it'll be based on what the people in the audience feel. I think it's a wonderful thing. What, what do you mean by, by that statement? Well, the main purpose of music is communication, right? And, and, mm -hmm. and we play music. Too many people, artists, they, they get it wrong. They think mm -hmm. I'm going to yeah. play for me, right? And they, they play all these things that make them happy. But if the if you, you get done and, and there's no response, the audience doesn't clap and you get a response, then then you're, you're just spinning your wheels. It's for nothing. Right. You know, I, yeah. music is a gift, right? You got to share it. You know, it's not a privilege. It's a gift. So you share it with people. And, and if, if you do your job properly or your art properly, you know, at the end of the day, they leave with this feeling of, of, of elation, you know, and emotion and, 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 you know, you make their lives better because of what right. you just did. Right. So when they leave your concert, you know, whatever positive feeling they have inside, I mean, um, you did your job. That's it. If you, if you, if you, if they come up to you and say, man, I, my, you know, I feel, feel great. You maybe feel so wonderful. I'm happy in the music and all that. I mean, that's the purpose of music. That's what it's right. for. You know, so yeah. so if you're not responding to what the, what they feel, I mean, you know, to your music, no matter what you're playing, I mean, like that's a saying: good music is good music, bad music is bad music, right? So mm. whatever your style, if it's like we we love jazz, we love R and B, you know, but rock and roll, country, you know, I mean, you know, reggae, it, you know, it's all music, right? right. And it's all music and mm. stuff. So so you know, the intent is is what what your audience feels. So, you know, if, if you're in the genre of smooth jazz, R&B and all that, and, and that's what you're playing, I mean, that's what you deliver to them, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, we were watching uh, Keith Urban this morning, and my wife asked me, I, she goes, I thought he was a country artist. I'm going, that's what country sounds like now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. it's, it's, it's true, though. It, it has evolved. Yeah. It has right. evolved, yeah. right? 
to 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 incorporate you know different more pop changes and, and, and rhythms right yeah. you know so you know it's not it's not like the twang twang of country or you know even 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 uh, even jazz you know yeah to be jazz you know swing you know yeah. and, and and it's not that anymore you know and a lot, a lot of people say the same thing about when I produce these shows you know and people that that uh, their friends brought them to the concert. And they said it's a jazz concert. And the friend was like, man, I hate jazz, right? But they come to the show, and then they go, wow, man, I, I, this is, this, I never liked jazz. This is good music. I'm like, yeah, right? <laughs> they, so, so, they didn't you know, know what jazz was. Exactly. Know, you, know. Mm-hmm. you know, you played uh, you played a lot with Al Jarreau. I, I loved Al Jarreau. I'm so sad that he's gone. But I, I uh, actually saw him live, and you might have been there as well. This was uh-huh. in the late 80s at the National Association of Broadcasters Convention. It was uh-huh. a hotel yeah. venue. It was a small venue, very intimate, and it was so wonderful. And that was the time he kept saying to, to folks, to radio folks, he goes, what do I have to do to produce a song you guys are going to play on the radio? Uh-huh. Because, yeah. you know, nobody wanted to play his stuff. But then later on, Al got into uh, some really, 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 really good stuff mm-hmm. um, uh, that he produced uh, prior to uh, his leaving us uh, that was so, so good. And one of the big differences that I noticed about Al, if you go back to Roof Garden or We're in This Love Together or yeah. something like that, music, you know, talking about evolving. Music back then, if you look at the waveforms in the production process, music was not as compressed and or as loud or processed as it is today. Now, it's not saying that it's not sounding as good as it did, uh-huh. but if you compare a We're in This Love Together to something uh, of today that he might have had produced, um, it's not the same, but it still sounds great. So music, you know, it's gotten louder. Well, and the, I've the, never understood that. I, my contention is, and this is an important aspect to your listeners, okay? Um, the production, you know, the instrumentation, whatever, the arrangements, this, 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 this nice, right? But at the yeah. end of the day, it's the song. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's the song. People, yeah. people want to hear the song that, that right. sparks something in their life. Memory, this and that, you know? So when an artist, you know, uh, has a hit song, I mean, that's what they identify with. And as a promoter, I tell people it's it's you know, it's not how many like like in smooth jazz nowadays, I mean there you get a number one song on the radio. But you know what? I mean, it, the coverage is so minimal, right? And and it's is that song identifiable with you, right? So mm-hmm. so if you have like one song like say Europa with Gato Barbieri or something, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that was a big song everybody heard that song and and you know when they went to see him he had to play europa right and and so i found out that what sells tickets you know because because i know so many great artists and musicians i mean their the music is is awesome i'm like i would i want to put you in concert or they call me say mike you gotta book me i say i love your music but but you know people are not gonna buy tickets to come see you i mean i, I they'll love you when they see you but then, you know, I won't have an audience because they don't know your music, you know. So that's a catch-22 I, I have to deal with. So, so, but, but you know, artists that have a track record and have several songs, hit songs, I mean, they sell tickets because people come, yeah. they want to hear that particular song. So the more songs right. that you have they want to hear, the bigger your audience, the more people will buy tickets to your show. And, and yeah. at the end of the day, you know, I've also worked with groups that have metamorphosized and, and the members have 
gone or they got, and it's all different members. You got one original guy, you know, and you thought, well, people are not going to see them because they don't have the original guys, but they still come out because they play the no. songs and they're singing right. along. And then it doesn't matter who's singing the song. The guy died 10 years ago, 15 years, but they're singing the song <laughs> that they remember. Right. Yeah. And, and it's the, so that's at the end of the day, it's the songs. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's true. That's true. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of the Rippingtons and Russ Freeman and such like that, but I go back to the Jeff Koshua, Steve Reed, right. and those guys yeah. who were, were, were hot and, and part of that, uh, and, the, and the bass player, I can't remember his name. Um, but it, that was a super group, an absolutely super group. Absolutely, but, but, yeah. But, but the Rippingtons, Russ Freeman, still carries that brand. Uh, today yeah, uh-huh. as well and I, I wish that radio I wish that radio would be a little bit truer to itself when it relates to uh, calling itself jazz uh, there is a the, some of the formats out there uh, it, well smooth jazz for instance is yeah. is a good example of that smooth jazz turned away from really cool jazz stuff and went more adult contemporary with their presentation therefore they I believe tainted uh, the format or tainted the definition of of jazz mm-hmm. you know back in the 60s dave brubeck with take five that was a charting hit it, it wasn't an eclectic thing that just sat out there and exactly cooked and, and, exactly right but, but we don't we don't really see that uh as much as we should and i know you can still find jazz i wish we could find it more places i know you can still find jazz on some uh, digital stations you know on a sub uh, sub frequency or something yeah, uh-huh. i just wish it was more out there because I know people would would flock to it like crazy. It's just such a great, wonderfully universal format to pull people together. Well. Absolutely, and and go back going back to when when you know a friend would bring somebody that didn't know the music, didn't like the the, the, the jazz, and then they come and they go, "Wow, this is great stuff." That's you pretty know? good. And and the thing yeah. about uh, going back to Take Five, I mean, that was recorded in the '60s, man, and it's still a hit. It's still recognizable, right? right? right. Why? Yeah. Because the melody. The song, the mm-hmm. melody. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just so identifiable, right? And exactly. uh, and then you go back to like you know Mozart or Beethoven, and da 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 da. Everybody still, it's like six hundred years, right? Mm-hmm. And it's still yeah. identifiable, it's right? So so you know, young guys, young listeners, and artists and musicians write that song, right? Keep writing, yeah. you write a song that people identify with you, and that's that's immortality. And that's mm-hmm. success. Speaking of speaking yeah. of six hundred years ago, ABBA is getting back together. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and yeah. and the guy the guys in the band says, "Well, we need to do this before we die." I'm going, <laughs> "Okay, well that's a good reason. Yeah. Sure, yeah. do it before yeah. you die." I'm, yeah. I'm just thinking, but it's really funny to see they're doing a, a really a virtual show now. Did you did you see about that? Mark? No, no, chance? I didn't see that. Yeah, they're yeah. wearing the they're wearing the things all over their heads, and they're doing a virtual show of them performing live. Uh-huh. It's it's very cool. Wow. Uh, yeah. Um, and <laughs> and I, I listen. I was never a big fan of disco. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm sorry if I've offended somebody, but no, I never liked disco. Well, um, I tell you, here's the. I mean, that's always a hard sell live I mean, when you get guys from that <laughs> era. <laughs> and and I, I'm sorry, I saw. Uh, I hope he's not listening, but but Casey and the Sunshine Band, right? <laughs> and and he was on that American Idol, one of those shows, and he, you know, yeah. they brought the artist to sing their hits, and and yeah. he got up there, you know, of course he's overweight and older, and and he's trying to do the whole disco thing. Man, it's just not happening. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> I felt I I saw I saw him here in Houston, uh -huh. and it was called Casey and the Performance Tape. Oh yeah. And uh, and and I felt so bad. And there were people in the audience at this oldies concert going. Yeah. Where the heck is a sunshine band? Come on, man. <laughs> there are just some times to stop doing these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but, but I love Casey. Again, again they, they went to hear the songs. They wanted the song. to hear the songs. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And it was okay. And yeah. and God bless him. I'm, I I was in Miami as well. So yeah. Casey's a, you know, a local dude down there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is cool. Hey, what, Michael? Why? Why is F two F the things that F two F that we're doing with Faith to Form important? I mean, you obviously found your passion uh, a long time ago, and you had the opportunity. You said you were you you were able to take that sax from your I guess I think it was your uncle. Yeah. Uh -huh. And and finally you got one. But why is it important that we put the musical instruments into the hands of of the kids? Uh, who who really might maybe they haven't even discovered the fact that they like this stuff already, kind well, of like the jazz thing. Put it plainly, it's better to put a sax in somebody's hand than a gun, <laughs> right? I mean, very true. You know, that's in today's very true. social discourse. I'm sorry if mm -hmm. because we we don't have enough art and music for kids to grab into, they get into right. other yeah. things, other distractions. You know, video games and all that. Mm -hmm. Man, mm -hmm. but but man, the music. It's powerful, it's beautiful, it's positive, mm -hmm. right? So the more we can get youth into playing and, 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 you know, doing that form of art, I mean, the better our society will be in the long run. And I'm all for, like, nurturing younger artists and to come along because, because the younger artists inspire the even younger musicians. Exactly. You know? So when we need that, right? Yeah. yeah, and it helps with the, with the balance, I think, of, of the individual himself or herself. Because yeah. once they have some music flowing through their body and they're listening to themselves play, they like the sound of what's happening when they play a keyboard or a, a wind yeah. instrument, a string, whatever, that the mind just mellows. They just become well, and also a lot si more... Scientifically, physical science. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, music has been proven, you know, to be good with mathematics and, and, and exactly and that uh, you know, nurturing that side of your your brain right right and, and I think it's because if you look at music it's it's fractions you're processing mm -hmm. information notes 16 notes and, and it's it's and, and the mind works that way analyzing things and and right it's, it's intellectually it's a good thing for any child Exactly. Oh, exactly. I'm loving it. Yeah. Uh, Michael, what's on the horizon for you here in the near future? What do we uh, What do we look uh, for Michael to be doing? Well, like I, I mentioned, I'm uh, you know trying to plan the, the new jazz festival in Hawaii. I'm trying to do all the trying to keep these content, concerts going, um, and and then also uh, you know I I I'm trying to you know trying to make make some new music, you know. So think you. about doing some new music again. Yeah. Cool. Very Keep doing cool. that. Okay. Keep doing that. Vel, let's let's do the uh, let's do the new single real quick one more time. So that by the time we finish this uh, podcast, the folks will go to their computer and go get it. That's right. Forevermore, featuring Larry Braggs, is available right now today. You can even look at it on YouTube, or actually hear it on YouTube. Spotify's got it. Apple Music's got it. Amazon's got it, and probably every music outlet that you like you can find it there today it'll actually go good for day. ads on radio monday wonderful and, uh, quite a few stations good luck to you Val. 
Yeah, we're getting a lot of stations already responding saying, go. hey, we like this song. This is great. Oh, by the way, then that's, as, as we depart, uh, my music festival, we are, we're also going to be sponsoring a nonprofit, local nonprofit, that their mission is doing the same thing, putting instruments in the hands of uh, kids. So Beautiful. Okay? Great. Beautiful. Great. Well done. Uh, with with a, with an East Coast and a West Coast effort, this ought to be a pretty successful uh, thing, shouldn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. so. It is Faith to Form, the podcast for the F2F Music Foundation, and that is a wrap.